Did you see this? There you go. We have, uh, we're going to talk about uh, move in that direction. We are still, however, in a series that is taking us through uh, discovering God's signs for everyday life. So how he communicates, how he connects with us. So we are now Easter Sunday, day of the resurrection, remembering what Jesus has done through this past week, but also his, his life, ministry, and the resurrection. And we bring all of that together here on on this particular day so we want to we want to celebrate that we are gathering again after like a year of hibernation last year because of the pandemic the churches around the world did not meet together in person we did it digitally we did it online we did it in a variety of ways to get the word out to remind people of how important this day is but today we are back we're gathering. It is a time to rejoice, almost like we've been resurrected, just coming back and meeting together. So, risen, and he is risen indeed. God communicated. He's been doing that since the very beginning when he put everything into place with creation, and then he puts people on this planet, and he says, you know, I'm here with you. And he met with them, and he talked with them, and everything around them communicated that God had created, that he cared about them, that he was taking care of them, that he was available. And then along the way, people turned their back in rebellion on him, and then they decided he didn't communicate anymore, or that he didn't exist at all, which was never the case. However, we have... In the book of Hebrews, a great statement. The, the book of Hebrews is written towards the end of, or past the middle part of, of uh, the first century. So the things that happened to Jesus and in the early church, have much of that has already happened. We have the record in the book of Acts and of the early church. This is, Hebrews is written after that. So this is looking back on those events and looking back at the life of Jesus and, and the impact that it had, and the writer of Hebrews tells us this, that God communicated. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So we have uh, a Jewish author here reflecting on the connection they had with God the Father and the communication happening through the prophets, written in the scriptures, so they have a copy of that, so they know what God has said. And you go back through the, the Old Testament, and you look at all of these incredible moments in, in the history of Israel, as the prophets are... are speaking for God and giving the word that they needed at that time. So all of that's coming together for those people. And here's someone saying, but in something, and he said it to us in our time. So it's 2,000 years now, but we still have a record of that. He has spoken to us through 
his son. And Jesus came, miraculously uh, born to a virgin. All of the, how did you get all of those things to happen? And God timed it exactly right and had that occur. So Jesus, from before he was born, is already communicating through the people and the events that are unfolding around him. And it, then as he lives out his life and begins to teach and the things that he is saying, the way he lives, the way he treats people, the way he interacts with the world around him, it's evident that something else is happening here. This is not a normal person. This is something that God is doing, and he, God is communicating, and Jesus is that spokesperson. He is, he is the God's Son revealing what God would like to have happen for everyone because Jesus came to reveal the kingdom of God and said, I want you to be part of the kingdom of God. Here's how you do it. This is what it looks like. Here's how you live. It's how you treat people, and he does it. He lives that way. And the people around him who listened, responded. Their lives are altered. They are set free. They are experiencing a new level of spiritual reality, and, and just their lives on earth are more meaningful and fulfilled. Those who rebelled, turned against him, led to uh, the idea of, you know, we've got to get rid of him. We don't want to hear that voice. We don't want to hear from God. We do not want to live like he says. So we must kill him. Happens today in different ways because he's not physically among us, but it happens in a similar way as people shut their ears and they don't want to hear about him. They don't want to hear his way of living. They don't want to hear what God has said because it doesn't fit with the culture or their feelings about certain things. So they want to change those things based on their feelings. And God said, you were never God, and you were never in charge, and you don't know the fullness of truth, which extends far beyond our individual experience and knowledge. And he is trying to invite everyone by communicating to everyone that he is here. And so we've covered nature and how God communicates through nature. We've covered the scriptures and how God communicates through scripture. And now we're looking at Jesus, who he communicates through in the most marvelous way. Jesus. Verse 18. Jesus says to John, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. I don't hear from him anymore either. So he's on the island of Patmos, isolated. It's on the Lord's Day. So it's on, he's, he's in the Spirit on Sunday. So he's worshiping on a Sunday, and the Lord appears to him the Lord Jesus, but he's in a different form, and, and he's, he's a bit glowy, and John is taken aback a little bit, even though he knows Jesus. He's, if you remember in, in the gospel, he's the one who keeps getting close to Jesus and hanging on him and leaning on him, and he's, he's just buddy-buddy with Jesus, but this form of Jesus had him a little nervous, 
and this is the introduction. Thanks, friend. I'm the living one. I died. But look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Wouldn't you like to just hear, hey, hey, John, I'm here. I'm here for you. Don't worry. It's good. Let's have a cup of coffee. Calm down. But no, no. I was dead. I'm back. <laughs> okay. So he, he's introduced to, to Jesus, who he understood and, and grasped. I mean, he understood what was, what was happening. But what an intro. But look what he's, I'm, I am the living one. He's, this is continuing. It's not just a moment that came and went. He is continuing to live. He is the life giver. He did that in the beginning, according to the Gospel of John. He's the one who created and everything that exists and all that is. And he brings light and life into the world. And here he is back. He's come as a human being, died, and he's alive, and he's alive forever. There's a model, so we know that that's, that's the reality, that's the possibility, that's what exists and what is available. He, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death in the grave, which is an, a wonderful thing to have in his hands because he loves you. He loves me. He loves his people, and he has the keys. So the idea that Satan is in charge of hell, and he's the one who controls death in the grave, because that's popular, is wrong. He doesn't have the keys. Jesus has the keys. Who's the king of hell? Not Satan. God said he's going to send the devil to hell and chain him up. How can you be the king and be chained up? He's not in charge. So in case that was something in your mind, let that go. Jesus has the keys. Jesus has the keys, and he's the one who controls death and the grave how this works, how it unfolds. He died on the cross. He was buried. He knows what this is all about. And he's come to life again. And, and he provides for us the model. This is the model of uh, the process for human beings as we go through life. And it is to die or to live as a human being in a physical body, but to die physically. We leave the body, the physical body behind that is not our primary uh, self. Our primary self is immaterial, soul and spirit. The soul and spirit is also where the mind is, so even though we might get dementia or forget where our keys are or wonder why we're standing in the kitchen, our mind is not lost. Our mind continues to remember. The, mem the memories of life are contained and not lost because it's not registering in molecules in a brain. That's what we use to interface with this life and this world and with each other, but that's not where those things are kept. So when we live outside of this physical body, we're still living no different than we are now. We are who we are. Our experiences count. Our history, our dreams, all of us, and we move into a new realm. That new realm is what Jesus had entered into so he dies physical body dies he is now removed from from that shell and living in the soul spirit and that that body that's also a body 
is the spiritual body, and he is continuing to, to communicate and to exist. We get a hint of that in First Peter, where he does, in First Peter 3, where he communicates with those who are dead during that time between uh, his death on the cross and the resurrection. So he's living that way. That's the pattern we have for all humanity. We're going to die physically. We live in the soul-spirit body. And then on the resurrection day for us, that day when Jesus raises people up, well, that's a whole different thing. He rejoins the physical and, and renews it. It's a, it's a different kind of body that he has planned for us. And, and it's like his, which is also the model. And if you recall, Jesus is able to walk through walls, travel in an instant. And, it, and unless you can do that now, you're in a physical body, not a resurrection body. That one will come. But that model of three different bodies, a physical, a spiritual, resurrected, is the same as we have. And he provides that model for us just in the days that we've just seen from Thursday when he has his last meal with his friends, the crucifixion, he dies, he's in the grave on Saturday, and then on Sunday, the Lord's Day, he is resurrected alive in a resurrected body, the first to do so. So he begins a whole new thing. Christ alive, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But in fact, Christ has been, risen, or has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. That's the beginning. He's opened the door for this. He is the first to have gone through that process to show us how this works. And then he did it. This is God's son comes and does this. And then he shows us this is how it works. So that's, the, that's been the process for everyone. And we will enter into that. The re- great resurrection hasn't happened for the, for the whole of people, but they're alive and they're in their spiritual bodies interacting and, and uh, those who are with the Lord are enjoying him as well. So Christ is alive. First Corinthians 15 does a great job, as Paul explains, the value of the resurrection, how important it is, how not to forget it, because it plays such an important part in how we live, how we see the world, how we see life and death. And it, when we lose track of that, when we lose a connection with what Jesus has done in this way, our grieving becomes something much more uh, distant from what God intended. We become obsessed, and we begin to think like the world thinks, not like what Christ would think, and we begin to say things like, well, you're grieving, you know, everyone grieves differently, and your grieving is you grieving, and however you want to grieve. And, and Scripture is really clear on, we do not grieve like those who have no hope, because we have Jesus who has died, who has been resurrected, who changed everything, and it is not the same. It is not the same. There is hope, and there is a future, and there's much more to be gained in all of this. He has come. He has made a difference. And when he came, when he came back, he came back to life, there were witnesses. So in 1 Corinthians 15, at the, at the beginning of that chapter, verses 4 through 6, it says he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, 
After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Most of them are still alive. He, he's writing to the Corinthian church, and that's in the 50s, mid, mid-century, first century. Jesus dies in 33. So if you got 20 years distance, 25 years distance, do you know anybody who's still alive after that long? And what he's proposing is, if you want to talk to some people who saw him, feel free. There are a lot of us who've seen him. A lot of us who can tell you what that was like when we talked to him. He's not afraid to have it investigated. This is a Greek city, but it, the Romans had taken over, so it's a port city, and he wants to make sure that the people there have a clue about life, about what is available to them, that God has communicated through his son that there's more than the life that they know. There's more about life than they believe. There's more that he wants to offer them about everyday life. And he's communicating himself uh, to everyone. Again, through nature. He's, he's also provided the scriptures over time. But he's proven it by this resurrection that has taken place. That for the first time, a human being has died. And three days later, comes back from the grave. Not only comes back from the grave, but he said before he died that he would be back. He said he would be back. Now, a lot of people, Houdini said he'd be back. I mean, people say things like that, but it's not exactly worked out for everyone. Only one. He came back, just as he said he would. And his followers didn't believe him because they don't listen. They... Struggled with it even when he came back. And here he is giving absolute proof that the things he's spoken are true, can be trusted, that he has been faithful to what he said, that he didn't rip off anybody along the way, that he has done exactly what he said he would do. And he does. So can we trust him to take away our sins? Yeah. Can we trust him to be giving us true truth? Not opinion, not some feeling, but true truth. Because he says, I'm the one who came from God the Father. I'm giving you what I received from God the Father. I'm passing on to you. So it's the truth that God, who created all things, has for people. And it's information to live this life and to prepare to live the life beyond this one. And in case you didn't know, the life beyond this one is longer than this one. And he has information we need to be able to enjoy that now and forever. So he's invited us to be part of that. He said, you can, you can come because God the Father loves you so much. He sent me so that you wouldn't perish and that whoever believes in me can have new life. Eternal life now, eternal life forever. Just come. So he's invited us. It's an amazing thing. And, the, and these witnesses are, are part of this. They, they're going on that day to say, he's risen. And for all of them to shout back, yeah, he's right there. Yeah, what a day. And 
It's a sign. Jesus' resurrection was a sign. So, Jesus' resurrection pointed the way. His resurrection, resurrection points the way of life. How do, you, how do we live? How do we uh, interact with the world around us? How do we understand what God is doing, what, what's important to him? How do we live in, in a loving way, caring way, uh, with kindness and justice with other human beings? How do, how do we do this? How do we live this life? And Jesus says, here's the model. He's given that, and he's lived it out. And with that model... His resurrection says, and I told you the truth. Underscored. I told you the truth. Which is the next part. Jesus' resurrection confirmed he spoke the truth. The words that he said were not, again, opinion, not the feelings of the culture at the moment. In fact, he ticked off the culture so badly they wanted him to die on a cross. So... He's giving truth, and I use that term, true truth, in opposition to the idea of, it's just my opinion, it's, it's gathered from traditions. This, there was no tradition to match this. There was nothing that came close to the life that he lived, the way that he lived it, and how he took in people that others rejected. He was willing to touch a leper. He was willing to be hugged by people that no one else would let near because of their immorality. He was willing to reach out to people others despised like tax collectors and Romans. He lived a life that was radically different from that culture. His truth is truth. And he spoke it and lived it. He died and he rose He is the truth. And he allows us to discover life in a different way. Life in in him on this planet, in in space and time, lived out differently. Jesus' resurrection affirmed he was the life. That he can give life and people come out of this place where they are stuck. uh, Mentally, emotionally, emotionally. Maybe physically, or people have all kinds of things that just they're chained up by, and Jesus comes along and says, "Let me, let me offer you something different. Let me offer you life." And he often uh, is, would use something like uh, "loose, loose them." You don't know, get it so much. In the English, but that word is that if there's a demon, you know, for them to be loosed, or for the way people in the culture around would would reject and would not speak to someone, and he would come alongside and and heal, loose them from the affliction, and he would. That was the first Greek word, luo, that I learned when it was time to work on that language. And it's to loose. And I thought, why are we learning? That, why not like save or, you know, 
some, some great theological term. No, we're going to learn luo. Great. Come to find out, that's amazing. He came to loose, to remove the chains, to set us free, to set us on a path of life. And he's offered that, just like earlier, the blind man, the, the leper, the, the one caught by demons who were holding them back, crushing the life out of them. And he comes along and says, be free, be loosed from that. And some of us are still bound up emotionally, connected to stuff, our history, our regrets, the junk in our lives. And God has come to say, I've got something more for you. I sent you my son. And he brings life. And he brings it for now. It happened now. It, it, it wasn't something that was, oh, when you die, I'll get the demons off you. Oh, when you die, I'm going to heal you. Or I'm going to do something for you today because that's what he does. And he brings life. And he wants to bring it to us. He rose from the dead to prove that he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he has underscored, highlighted, emboldened, said, this is me. And I give you life. So let's pray. Turn your attention to him. And on this day, if you need life, you need to be freed from something. If you need to be raised from the dead and enter into spiritual reality that's offered by Jesus, then this is the time. Turn your heart towards him. Our Lord, we thank you for all that you have done, all you have proven, all you have shown, for your goodness, your grace, amazing love. And you have poured it out on us who do not deserve it, yet you made it possible for us. Thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, who is our hope. Thank you for the life we have because of him and because he is risen. And right now, Lord, whoever is looking to be freed, to be loosed, to have that life, I pray that you would work in their hearts, in their hearts, in their lives right now. And we thank you for it. In the wonderful, precious name of Jesus, amen.